And I really want you to learn from the process. I don't want you to just come to me and then always have to come to me. I mean, it's great if you're always coming to me, but I want to make sure that you understand what you're supposed to be doing and that you understand how to build a good resume. I mean, you can help someone else because I can only help so many people, but if I, if I show you how to do it, maybe there's other people that you can help as well. So I'm not about just doing this for the money. I mean, I work full-time as an engineer. I don't, all the stuff I do with Incredible is just extra. I don't need that money for anything. It's just I have a passion for, for seeing people accomplish things and be the best version of themselves. So that's the main reason why I'm doing that. If you enjoy listening to the Incredible Paul podcast, are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Incredible Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to IncrediPaul.org, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to the link in my socials bio and click on the Incredible Paul shop. Looking forward to seeing your incredible look. Turn this up. Turn this up. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Welcome to the Incredipal Podcast. And now, sharing his expertise, experience, and excellence with the world, here's your host, Paul Faranbi. Hi, I'm Paul Faranbi, and welcome to the Incredible Paul Podcast, where we learn to become the best versions of ourselves by learning from each other. Today, it's just me. I want to talk about career tips, but really focusing in on the resume and interviews, which is something I help people out with a lot of times, whether it's starting from scratch or editing their resume, going through some interview strategies. But these are the keys to landing the job of your dreams. I want to make sure that you don't fall into some pitfalls that a lot of people may find themselves in. And also want to make sure that you're able to stand out and distinguish yourself from others because that's the real reason behind this. So before we get into that, make sure you rate and review this podcast, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening on it. Rate and review. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know if you have any topics that we can talk about or if you're interested in being a guest or you know someone I'd be a good guest to have on the show. I would love to talk to you about it. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. So if you're not, if you're currently just listening to this podcast, why not watch it too? If you're not already watching this podcast and looking at me in the face, you can watch it right now. Just, you can stop right now, go and watch it or maybe in the next couple episodes, whatever you want to do. I want to make sure that you're able to ace your next interview or make make sure you have a solid resume and you may you may be wondering okay paul i know you do you do business and career coaching i know you worked at a few different companies but why are you the right person to be talking about this i would say that i have a lot of experiences whether it's with resumes my own personal resumes or helping with resumes and also for um, helping people with interviews as well from my own personal standpoint, I've been able to work for four different Fortune 500 companies. On average, as far as interviews, I probably average around two interviews a, a month, and that's from the ones I'm actually interested in. There's a lot of other times I maybe reached out on LinkedIn or other emails or stuff like that. 
And a lot of these experiences I've gotten have not even been from your typical conference or in-person career fair. They have strictly been from online, applying online. And we all know when we apply online, they talk about the, the ATS, which is like the automated something. It's, it's really, it helps different recruiters and companies sort through resumes to make sure that they're finding people who really stand out. So I've been able to do this for myself. I've also helped other, I've helped many different people do this as well. On average, when I work with people, they've been able to get a job or get an offer at least, but get the job that they really want within two, two to three months of working with them. So I would say I can definitely work for you if you need help. But right now, we're just going to start with this video. So I just want uh, to jump in talking about it. First thing we're going to talk about is the resume because really the resume is the first thing you need to do. It's what gets your foot in the door. So we're talking about the resumes. It goes back and forth about what your length of resume really needs to be. People talk about, oh, it should be longer than a page. Or if you, it could be a page and a half. It could be two pages. What I will tell you as far as the length of a resume is that I would say three pages is too long. I usually around that two-page mark. And I would say if you have less than five years of experience within an industry, I would not go to two pages. I would probably leave a about a page maybe a page and a half. Once you get more than five years of experience, I would graduate to two pages and I would just leave it there. Not to say that you couldn't just keep it as one page. You can have a lot of impactful stuff in just a page of a resume, but just make sure that you're not putting a lot of fluff in there. There's a tendency to do that just because you want to, to fill it out. On average, hiring managers and recruiters only look at your resume for about 30 seconds. So you have to make sure that whatever you're putting on there is really eye-catching and it really stands out. Cause think about it. Like if you if you're if you post a job online, it might have on the high end, if you like the Googles and Microsofts, it might have thousands of applicants. But on average, probably got a hundred different applicants, and this is just for one role. And so they have to get through this quickly and make sure they're also pulling in people because after they do the resume, they're going to have interviews and they're also doing multiple different positions. And this, keep in mind that maybe you've realized this if you've been in the industry or you've, you've worked a lot that the people who are interviewing this, this is not their main job. Their main job is something else. Interviewing is just something that they do to make sure they have people that can work, uh, that can do the, the job effectively. So. That's one thing to keep in mind with a resume. Make it easy to digest. Stay away from slang or any shorthand that is not particular to the area of business that you are. Because I know with a lot of different companies, like if you're in continuous improvement or if you're in manufacturing, there are some things specifically, if you're in that realm, they can use some acronyms. But some of those acronyms might only be specific to your company. When you talk about like Lean or Six Sigma, those are things that are standard wide, or even like TPM. I know I've heard a few different <laughs> acronyms for TPM, and I'm talking more from a continuous improvement background about that. But really, it's, it's something to keep in mind that you keep it simple. Anyway, besides keeping it simple, you want to make sure that you're, you're really drawing the people in. So historically, we've had an objective statement, depending on how long you've been 
the last time, if you are a seasoned professional, I say seasoned instead of old. If you are a seasoned professional, maybe the last time you wrote a resume, you are an objective statement. Throw that out right away. We are not doing objective statements. We are doing summary statements now. And a summary statement, it can really be whatever you want it to be, but I like to think about it as um, almost like a miniature cover letter about who you are as a person. What can they, what can they expect from you? And you can throw some things on there that aren't necessarily on your resume as a bullet point, but you want to highlight as far as maybe some of your background experiences or why you're a, a good fit for this company or this type of role. That's something to be mindful of. But I want to quickly talk about, I like to tell stories. I think stories are a good way to, to just learn about different processes. And so specifically for me, like the having a resume that's been able to stand out, I've been able to do this for myself personally, a few different times where I did it in college to get my internship with Nestle. I did it full time to work with General Mills. I also did it full time to work at Purina. And I'll, again, to where I'm working um, currently right now with Henkel. So it's it's worked for me. And I could say it will also work for you. So the one with Nestle was a little bit interesting because I remember specifically for that, I was still in college. I had about a year left because I had done a co-op. Uh, so for those who are not familiar with a co-op, it's a chance where you can take a semester off from school. So still was technically enrolled full time, uh, but I was not work. I was not taking classes at that time. I was working in school, so that just pushed out my graduation date of uh, semester. So instead of graduating in the spring, I ended up graduating in the fall. And so what what that meant was that I had a summer in between my two senior semesters um, that I had an opportunity to get an internship for. And so this one is I applied to uh, Nestle online uh, and I met the qualifications as far as what they what they needed as far as the manufacturing experiences and uh, really corp not really corporate but more so. Um, leadership experiences and the experiences I had had at working the co-op with Cargill. So I was able to do that uh, to differentiate myself. I think they said I had over a thousand applicants and they brought 300 of them um, on site to do interviews. So I don't know if they still do this. It's, it's kind of my, it's mind boggling to me. So over a thousand applicants. Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel stuck? Then coaching might be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life and want to start to see results, reach out to Incredipal for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to incredipal.org slash coaching, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-P-A-U-L dot org slash coaching or at I am Incredipal on all my socials. Or you can click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the most incredible version of yourself. And then out of that, they told us about 300. So like a third of them out already. And so we had the, the phone screenings and stuff ahead of time. And then the final interviews was a little bit nerve wracking. So they, they flew us all out to Chicago in a hotel. I don't know how much money this cost them. But I mean, this was their, the future leaders of the company, future people that they wanted to work full time for them. Because the internships, especially if you're in college, 
internships, co companies want their internships to funnel into full-time. So they will invest money there to make sure that they can have the people they need and they, they know they're just waiting for you to graduate and they can just put you in different spots or that match your interests and the company's interests. That's something to keep in mind. But so this particular instance, there's about 300 people there and it was pretty intense. So we had interviews, there's two days of interviews. Some people had their interviews one day, other people had interviews the next day and there's some other activities going on, different stuff that kind of sell us on a Nestle, all different stuff that they do. So those people who are not aware at this time, like um, the Nestle candy, the Crunch Bar, Butterfingers. And so that's been a part of Nestle for a little bit, but they recently sold that. Um, but they had a lot of different stuff that they were doing, different prizes. And so I remember my interviews were on the second day. And it was really more in, one of the most intense interviews I've had. And keep in mind, this was in college. I've had interviews after this for full time that were not in, intense for this. But really, it was three interviews, and they were about 30 minutes each. But what made it intense was that uh, it was really focused on behavioral questions, which I'm, I'm used to that. But they had three behavioral questions for each of the interviews, and there's like a panel of two, so two people interviewing like uh, professionals who have been working five plus years at the company. And so the thing behind that was that they wanted behavioral, it was a behavioral questions, you had to answer with the STAR method, which I'll get into it later. But they didn't want you to use to repeat experiences. So for example, they wanted to see a depth of experiences that you've had. So if for, if I gave an example of, oh, I had this project and this is something that happened, they if the next question came up and in that same project, something happened, they wanted another experience. So between the 12 different questions, I had to really come up with 12 different scenarios or projects or things that happened to me. So that was what was pretty intense for me because I was thinking, okay, just to think of an answer to something. I, I like sometimes we go through a, a project or something and there's a lot of things you learn from it along the way, but they really wanted to see, okay, you've had a lot of different experiences, whether it was in previous internship experiences, which that was a real qualification for this interview as well as even if it was like leadership experiences because i was involved with different organizations and different clubs um, as well as some volunteer work and i've always been a part of stuff in my church as well so whatever it is they just wanted to see that you had a, a breath a lot of experiences to pull from but anyway i got through that i got the offer and was able to work um, in jonesboro arkansas at a frozen food facility where they made lean cuisine, um, paninis, like the paninis and like the frozen pizzas, as well as the Stouffer's uh, pastas and lasagna. So it smelled amazing. And it was, it was a really great experience. Fast forward, um, a lot of stuff, I won't go into it right now, but I know I have a previous blog that I talked about going from an internship to not getting a full-time offer uh, from Nestle, which was a bummer for me at the time. But so I had to go through the whole process about applying for different jobs and going through the interview process once again. And I, I won't, I won't lie to you that I made some mistakes along the way 
as far as when you're, what I learned early on is that if you are uh, an undergrad and you're going into full time and you have other competing offers, don't, I want to say maybe it's changed a little bit now, but really focus on the company and don't try and tell the company, oh, I have other, other offers to kind of help to speed up the process. That was something that I did and what ended up happening, I did it twice, was to just, oh, you already have this offer, like we can't meet that time limit, so we'll just focus on someone else. Because what you have to realize is that, especially when you're first coming out of college, there are a ton of people competing for a ton of different jobs. I mean, it always, is hap it always happens, but I, I think there's more competition at the early career stage and then when you start to get a lot more experiences after two even two years three years then you start to differentiate yourself from those who are actually working hard in their positions and those who are just doing a bare minimum to get by so i made some mistakes there and so in this particular case i had already had an offer i was actually working about to start working for conagra uh, conagra brands and move out to missouri and I got a call back from General Mills uh, about having an interview, and I had the I had the phone interview went well, and it was crazy. But literally the day I moved to Marshall, Missouri, which is a small town in the middle of Missouri, the day I moved there was the day I got a call back from General Mills saying, "Hey, we really liked you. We want to invite you on site for a final interview." When are you available? As my landowner just walked out and I'm unpacking my stuff in this new place. And so that's a whole story in itself. But just going through that process as far as the General Mills stuff, that was also something that I had applied online. So as far as leveraging the different experiences I had, I had helped start student organizations. I also helped leadership positions in them. I had previous internship experience and co-op experiences. So I was able to really articulate that on my resume as well as also do it when I was interviewing as well. So I'll talk about those, but really just being sure that you are not just listing out your job responsibilities. So from the count, the numerous resumes that I've helped, one of the biggest things I see is that when people have a resume, they think about, okay, I'm just gonna list out the different skills I have or different things I've accomplished. But it really comes down to like a task list, which is not what you wanna do. Because if you think about it, how does that differentiate you from someone else? So if you're both going into a position, let's say for me like manufacturing, and you just talk about you held, you did different projects or you help with the day-to-day -day, or you help manage employees, like, your resume is not going to stand out from someone else. Whereas if you want to really differentiate using numbers as far as, okay, I manage this amount of employees or helps with this amount of budget, maybe it's a $100,000 project or $2 million project or even a billion dollar project, whatever it is, put in a number to quantify what you've done that really differentiates you. That's number one. Otherwise, um, the the dollar amount helps. Otherwise, like just talking about what you accomplished as far as maybe how well you did something or how quickly you did something. Maybe you were able to do something 50, 
50% faster. Maybe you're able to take on more projects and than most other people can do. So that's something that I can help you out. I, I, usually what I, I do with people who need help with resumes, I help to have them send them a resume, send them send their current resume to me. I take a look at it as far as what I see, what the opportunities are, I send a quote to them, and then I really work with them. I will tell you that there's some people that say, oh, we'll just send the information, we'll just write your resume for you. I would say that that is a scam, or if it's not a scam, they need a ton of information that you need to send about your, your background stuff. And I really want you to learn from the process. I don't want you to just come to me and then always have to come to me. I mean, it's great if you're always coming to me, but I wanna make sure that you understand what you're supposed to be doing and that you understand how to build a good resume. I mean, you can help someone else because I can only help so many people, but if I if I show you how to do it, maybe there's other people that you can help as well. So I'm not about just doing this for the money. I mean, I work full-time as an engineer. I don't, all the stuff I do with Incredible is just extra. I don't need that money for anything. It's just I have a passion for, for seeing people accomplish things and be the best version of themselves. So that's the main reason why I'm doing that especially in the STEM area. So just talking about like what the mission of Incredible is, is uh, to help those who are in STEM, especially in leadership and personal growth, to be the best versions of themselves, whether it's your career or if you're starting a business. So that was like a small commercial for Incredible there, but just make sure you're being specific. Don't just list out job responsibilities. You need to differentiate yourself from others. Talk about different projects you have, but when you do that, it tells a good story about who you are. And the key thing to remember about the resume is that, and I've seen this a few times, is that if you are someone who's maybe struggled to even get interviews, you may feel like, okay, the resume is what I, once I get a good resume, I'm good. No, your resume is just really the first step. Your resume is just there to get you in front of the interviewers. And then after that, the resume, I mean, they'll use the resume to reference and ask you some questions. And if you put, don't lie on your resume ever because you, you get caught very quickly when they ask you about something and you have nothing to say and you have no idea um, what it is about. So first of all, don't lie on your resume. The interview is what really gets you the job. The resume is great, but at the end of the day, you got to show yourself an interview. And if you haven't already done it, research the company. It's as simple as just Googling the company, talking about them. If you applied, you probably already researched the company, but I've been had cases where companies reached out to me or recruiters and stuff. And I didn't know much about the company. So definitely research them. Other thing that's key is know why you're interviewing. It can be as simple as it just wasn't a good fit, or you're looking to advance yourself, or maybe it's just the fact that you are have a passion about the company that you're researching for in your current company. You don't have to talk about your company in a negative light. Actually, it speaks more about your character if you don't. I've had opportunity and really, I would say the blessing to work for really great companies. The people within the companies, eh, not always the greatest, but I focus on the positive and I spin that so that it's, it, I spin it to a positive and I think it, it's gone pretty well for me. So when you research the company and knowing why you're interviewing, 
make sure you keep it positive. Don't bash the other company, especially if you're going to a competitor. I haven't done that. I've had interviews with competitors, and I haven't really been interested because I really like the company I've worked for, so the competitor was not something I was interested in going to. But I was also interested about what it looked like on the other side. So I would say if when you're doing this, stay positive at all times. Do your research about what your salary expectations are. It's pretty easy to find out what your salaries are, whether you are just graduated from college or you've worked in five, five plus years, 10 plus years, 20 plus years. Do not sell yourself short when it comes to salary. I know I talked about imposter syndrome in the first episode of this podcast. If you haven't checked that out, rewind all the way back to January of 2022 when I started this podcast, Overcoming Imposter Syndrome. Really good episode. It's something that we all deal with, and I, or from what I've seen, it comes out a lot more when we're getting promotions or interviewing, and we feel like we're just happy to have the opportunity to be there. And we have this sense that, oh, we're going to be found out that we don't actually belong. And what I'll tell you right now is that you do belong. Don't let anyone tell you that that's something that you're the only one feeling. Everyone goes through it at some point. It usually happens when you're, you're transitioning jobs or doing something new. Everyone feels that way. But make make sure you realize that if a company is interviewing, for your, interviewing you for the job, they believe that you can do it. Don't think that they're just trying to do you a favor. They believe that you can do it. So make sure you're getting paid what you should be getting paid. And right off the bat, I would say, do not talk about salary right up front. I would, that's one of those things that some people say you can talk about right up front. I would say keep that at the last possible minute that you want to talk about salary. Focus on everything else. Make sure that they really want you. And then the salary is just going to be an afterthought as far as if you come up right off front and you give a high number, they that might give a bad taste in their mouth when they're trying when they're interviewing you because they're saying, okay, this person has this number. Or they may not even interview you if it's out of the range. So whatever it is, really work through your recruiter. Your recruiter is there to make sure that you are successful because they get paid based on the number of people that are good candidates for a role. If a recruiter has identified you as someone that is going to be a good fit for a position, they want you to be successful. Don't be afraid to ask the recruiter questions about interview. I always, a couple of things I always ask the recruiter. I ask them about what the process looks like as far as how many interviews are going to be, what type of interviews. I also ask them about if we're going to have behavioral type questions, is it going to be more laid back? Are we going to have on-site interviews? Is it going to be video interviews? These are questions that people don't necessarily ask, but it does make a difference. Whereas if you're going to have to take time off of work or maybe you can do it um, like at lunchtime or some, some other time, that works better for your schedule. But really understanding the process from the very beginning is crucial. The other thing about interviews is interviews are not one-sided. There's a tendency, like, again, with imposter syndrome, to say that, oh, the company is trying to figure out the best fit for them. I want to I be the best person for this company. You try your hardest to fit that mold, whatever it is. Stop right there. You are enough. And you do matter. So if the company is trying to change who you are to match something that you're not, 
that that's probably not the company for you. I know that might be a wake up call for some people. Maybe your your dream job is asking you to do something that you don't want to do or is not in your personality. I would say outside of stuff that's just in a professional realm, like maybe they want you to talk more professionally or maybe you can't wear jeans to work. I know I've had uh, jobs like that at headquarters. They didn't want jeans there. But I think that's some really minor things that just talks more about what they value as far as appearance, as far as laid back. I know tech is a lot more laid back than a lot of others. And then I've also worked in manufacturing as well, where you don't wear nice clothes, unless maybe you're in headquarters. Most of the time you're not wearing nice clothes. You don't want to, you don't want to mess them up. So that's something to keep in mind is that when you are interviewing, you're also interviewing the company. When you're talking to your boss, your future boss, the person who's your hiring manager most likely is your future boss. Make sure you ask them questions about what their leadership style is, what they like, what they don't like. One of the questions I ask as far as like, what does the hours look like? What does the time commitment look like? Like with this current role, I am the type of person that I'm more of a morning person. So I like to get things done early in the morning to have the afternoons to go home and get at whatever stuff I do. Like I mentioned, I do a lot of stuff with Incredipal and all this other stuff in the evening. So my evenings to me are very valuable and my weekends as well. So I want to have an understanding of the role that I'm interviewing for. Am I signing up for a job that, yes, there's the 40 hour, eight to five or nine to five expectation, but based on what I'm doing, do you actually expect me to work 50, 60 hours a week or are most people working 50, 60 hours a week? So that's just something you can ask. And I also just ask about what are the situations around this job that have an opening? Because there's one thing to the job being open just strictly because it's a new position, they're expanding. That's always a good sign when companies are expanding. Other times it might be open because someone got promoted and then they have this other opening they don't have someone develop yet. I think that's also a good thing. What you have to watch out for is someone leaving because of the stress or the culture was not a good fit. That is something you have to be mindful of because you don't know that person. Maybe that person just truly wasn't a good fit, but you also have to be careful about, am I someone that can take these high stress situations or do I want these high stress situations? I mean, some people thrive well under pressure and under stress and more power to you. But a lot of people would like an environment that is not very stressful. So keep that in mind when you're interviewing. So as I wrap things up, I just wanna share another quick story about this time when I was in an interview with Nestle Perita. And this was interesting because I had gone through the first, I actually had already gone through a, a cycle with them. So I had interviewed Nestle Perina for a package engineer role and I made it to the final round. I came to St. Louis, they flew me out, stayed in a hotel went through the rounds of interviews, went really well. But what ended up happening was that someone else was hired for that position. And the feedback I got was that that person just had more direct experience. Basically what they said is that they could hire both of us, they would have, but there was only one opening and that person had more experience. They loved my energy. They thought that I was a perfect fit for the culture. And they actually told me to keep in touch. And if any uh, job openings came up, that I should let them know. And I've heard that before, and a lot of times I have not taken that to heart. 
but there's just something deep in my spirit. And so, like I said, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And I felt like this was the place that I was supposed to be, that God was telling me that this is the place I was supposed to be. So I took that to heart. And really over the next couple of weeks, I was, I kept looking at different positions and I'll ask the recruiters about different, about the position, whether they thought I was a good fit or not. And then I think it was probably the third week, there's a position I, a position I saw in manufacturing excellence, which is continuous improvement, that I thought I'd be a good fit for based on a lot of the process engineering and continuous improvement stuff I've been doing at which in our mills at that time. So I reached back out to the recruiter I had worked with. And what ended up happening was that that recruiter wasn't recruiting for this position, but they just spoke to the culture and how Nestle, Purina especially work. Nestle as a whole, I think, also works like this. But Purina especially, as far as how much they really care about people, I want to get people in a place that makes sense for them. So that recruiter talked to the other recruiter that was for this position, told them about my experiences and what, um, how I would be a, a potential good fit based on some other stuff they'd already seen. And so what ended up happening was between when I applied and when I was getting ready to do my final interview, it took less than two weeks. So I, I applied and I was able to schedule my first conversation later that week and I got the final interview um, the following week. So less than two weeks, I was able to do all of that. And so that was only because they'd already seen what I was capable of as far as the culture and what Nestle Perea stands for, uh, uh, being passionate about people and pets. And I'm, I'm pretty passionate about everything I do. They just wanted to make sure I'd be a good fit with the rest of the team and the hiring manager for this particular position. And so what ended up happening was that a month later, I got the offer and everything just went smoothly from there. And that was mainly because I just stuck to who I was. I knew the value I had and what I brought to the table. So this is something that you have to do when you're interviewing is that you really have to understand what you have done and what you bring to the table. The last thing you want to do is when you're talking about different experiences or stuff that on your resume is say we and they you have to be saying I, even if like it's a group effort, you, there's certain things that only you did, or maybe certain things that you drove on the team. And this is your chance to be selfish, not selfish in a bad way. Selfish is really when you're thinking about yourself, but selfish is saying, Hey, this is the value I bring to your company. Here it is. Is this something that you're looking for? And also, a question I like to ask is, what does what does the ideal person look for? What does the ideal person look like in this position? I straight up ask that question towards the end of the interview. And based on what they say, I try to showcase my, either my background experiences or what my future potential is and answer those questions to show that I am the right person for this job. And this usually worked out for me pretty well. That is just a snippet of stuff that I can talk about as far as resumes and interviews. I was going to go through and give some more step-by-step because -step I have done work uh, workshops on this. Maybe I'll do that at another standpoint, but this <laughs> ended up taking a little bit longer than I thought, which I guess is a good thing. I hope this brought you some value and just gave you some insight 
into the process, at least from my lens. I like to talk about what I've experienced. I definitely can talk about some other people, but I didn't really gain their permission to talk about it, so I would have to retract their names. But really what you have to understand is that the resume interview is something that a lot of people struggle with. It's not the easiest thing in the world because a lot of times we're thought we're taught to not talk about ourselves and not focus on ourselves. But when it comes to resumes, especially interviewing, it's all about you and using the star method, which I'll wrap things up with that is how you, and how you answer behavioral based questions. So behavioral based questions, if you haven't already heard it is those tell me about a time, like, Simple ones like tell me about a time you failed or tell me about a time you had to go above and beyond or tell me about a time you took initiative. And what that is, is use a star method which is situation, task, action, and results. So what's the situation? What, what, what maybe is what the company was or what position you're in in that company, the task, what you were trying to achieve as a whole, like the whole group was trying to achieve. The actions, what are the actions that you specifically took within that for the task, whether it's just the same specific task or the specific actions that you broke it down even further, and the results. Did you achieve what you were trying to do? What were some setbacks that happened? What were some things you learned? And I think a key thing that, especially when they talk about, tell me a time that you failed or maybe talk about your weaknesses is that no company believes that there's anyone out there that has no weaknesses or is perfect. That is not true. What they want is someone who's honest enough and is introspective enough to have dug deep and understand what their weaknesses are and is actively working towards fixing them. So that's it. Thanks for listening to this podcast or watching it if you're on YouTube. If you want to keep in touch with me, Go on my socials. I am Incredible Paul for Twitter and Instagram. Go search Incredible Paul for my YouTube. And if you need coaching, whether you are trying to go further in your career, maybe you need leadership or personal growth, or maybe you're trying to do better and find a different career, whether it's with your resume, interviewing, salary negotiation, LinkedIn help. That's stuff I didn't even talk about, but it's definitely something I can help out with. Where you want to start a business? Like I said, I have a business. I also work in corporate America. I'm doing both of both of the things. Not to say that I couldn't just do one or the other, but I really love what I do, and I also love helping people. But thanks for listening to listening or watching this episode of the Incredible Paul Podcast. Let me know if there's anything you want to see on here. And let's make sure we can make 2023 the best year yet. And I want to help. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Incredible Paul Podcast with Paul Ferranbi. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. And be incredible. Incredible. incredible.